0: Guys, it is great to be here with you. You are in fine voice this morning, can I say? Very fine voice. Isn't it wonderful to worship our awesome God on a Sunday? Isn't that good? And do you know what else here at CityGate we love to do? Not only is worship and sing, but we love the Bible. And, uh, and we believe the Bible is God's Word. We love to study it together when we gather on a Sunday and at other times. So that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be, we're going to be reading some of God's words and seeing what God has for us. This morning, and uh, I'm excited for it. I hope you're excited for that as well. And if you've been with us for any length of time, you will know that we are in a preaching series looking at the kingdom of God, looking at all different aspects of that. And in this summer period, over these summer months, we're having like a, a slight detour, if you like, for this series. And we're asking the question what is Jesus doing now? Of course, in our great kingdom of God, our great king is who? That, that wasn't a rhetorical question. Let's try that again. In, we have been doing this for about seven months, so you should know by now. In our great kingdom, who is our king? Jesus. 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 That's right. And so the question is, what is Jesus doing now? Have you ever wondered that? In the Bible, we've got the Gospels, haven't we? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which speak about Jesus' time on earth and tell us details about what he said and taught and what he did. But those gospels come to an end when Jesus dies on a cross to take our place, to take our sins so that we can be made right with God. We're going to talk a bit more about that a bit later. Then he gets raised to life again so that we too can be raised with Christ. And then he ascends up to heaven. And that happened 2,000 years ago. So what's he up to now? And that's the question we're looking at in this series. And Katie keeps us off brilliantly last week, helping us see that Jesus is reigning. He's the king who is reigning. He is seated on his throne, the king of kings, the king of heaven. And she helped us to see that Jesus is not just kicking back. He's not sitting back on his throne, feet up with a beer in his hand, wondering what's going to happen. That's not what's happening. Jesus is seated on the throne, but he is actively reigning. He is actively involved in our lives. And this morning, we're going to continue with the second part of this series, What is Jesus Doing Now? And we're going to be seeing that Jesus, right now in heaven, is praying. Jesus is praying. Or more specifically, given the context of the passage we're looking at, he is interceding for us, which, as we'll come to see, is both broader and more specific than praying. And so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. And we are going to be in Hebrews chapter 7 this morning. So why don't you grab your Bibles? Why don't you grab your Bibles and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 7. We're going to read that in a bit. Now, what's happening in Hebrews chapter 7, just while you're finding it, what's happening is this. The the writer to the Hebrews is explaining how Jesus is our great high priest. Okay, that's what's happening in this passage. That's the context. He is our great high priest. And in the context of him being our great high priest, that is where he intercedes for us. Now, for us to understand what that means and what the picture and the imagery is that Jesus, uh, the, the writer of the Hebrews is speaking about Jesus, we need to cast eyes back and think back to the Old Testament high priests so that we can understand the, the imagery that is being used there. And I'm going to be honest with you this morning, we're going to do a bit of work this morning, okay? I, I, I'm sorry about that. If you were hoping to come to church this morning and just have a nice restful time. We're going to work our minds a bit this morning, so give you a heads up for that. But I will tell you this, it will be worth it. Okay, it will be worth it. My, my aim, where, where we're going to get to, just to encourage you to hang on in there with me, where we're going to get to is we are going to get to see a bigger view of Jesus. We are going to get to see a bigger view of our Savior. We're going to get to see a bigger expression of who Jesus is. And we're going to be encouraged by that. And so hang on in there. We will get there. It will be worth it. I think we should pray. Let's pray and uh, and we'll crack on. King Jesus, we thank you that you are on the throne. That you are ruling. That you are reigning. And that you are with us today by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, who inspired these words to be written, we ask that you would make them alive in our hearts. Holy Spirit, we ask, would you soften our hearts and prepare our hearts to receive what you have for us this morning? Holy Spirit, we ask, would you give us a greater revelation of Christ this morning? May we leave this morning encouraged and transformed by your power. And we pray this in the mighty name of our King Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, so in Hebrews, the writer of the Hebrews says that Jesus is a high priest. What is a high priest? Well, in the Old Testament, we read how the people of Israel had a high priest. And the high priest's role was to mediate between the people of Israel and God, Okay, or intercede between the people of Israel and God. Why did they need that? Why was that a necessary thing? Well, the Bible teaches us that God is perfect, God is holy, God is pure, God is righteous, and God is is just. This is who God is, our perfect God. On the other hand, the Bible teaches us that we, human beings, you and me, we are not those things. That by nature, we are sinful. By nature, we have a predisposition to do things which are selfish and prideful and wrong. And we all know that to be true, right? No matter how hard we try to do well, no matter how hard we try to live a good life, we know that we will still screw it up sometimes. We've all been hurt. We all hurt other people. We all do those things we know we shouldn't that prick our conscience. And, and this is a problem because it causes separation between holy, just God and sinful us. And it causes separation because God is holy and just. If we were with God in our sinful state and God in his holiness and righteousness and power and justice, one of us would come off worse. And, and I'm not going to give you any clues as to who. It's us, in case you were wondering. It's us. And so there is this divide, there's this separation between us and a holy God. But God still wants to be with us. God still wants to be in relationship with us. God still wants to be close to us because that's why we were made. We were made to worship God and to be in relationship with him. And so he wants to bridge that divide. And so in the Old Testament, we see the institution of the high priest. And the high priest, what they did is they interceded or mediated between God and man. And what that looks like is that they represented. The high priest represented mankind to God and represented God to mankind. That was their role. So that there could be this mediation and this coming together of the two. you still with me? Yeah? Some of you are. Keep going, okay? We'll pray for the others later. That's you care. if you're with me, keep going. Okay. How did they do that? In the Old Testament, how did the priests mediate? How did they intercede for the people? They did so in a number of different ways, but two which are pertinent to us this morning is this they mediated and interceded for the people, firstly, through offering sacrifice. You see, the Bible tells us that the consequence of sin is death. The consequence of sin is death. We read about that in Romans. You can see that right at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, where God creates the world and God puts Adam in the garden and says, hey, there's one way you can sin, Adam, eating the fruit of that tree. Don't do that. And he says, and if you do, you will die. Right. So the consequence of sin is death. Okay? Now, it's important for us to understand that because we live in a world, we live in a culture, and maybe some of you here believe that actually the consequence of sin is I've got to do more good things than bad things. The world we live in believes that, man, if I try and live a good life, and as long as the good things I do outweigh the bad things I do at the end of my life, then surely that's going to be good enough. That's not what Scripture says. The Bible says that the consequence of sin is not do more good things. The consequence of sin is death, and then it's too late. And so in the Old Testament, the high priest had this sacrificial system, which was instituted by God, where they would take a symbolically pure animal and they would sacrifice the animal on behalf of the people so that a death could occur because of the people's sins as a covering for that sin. Now this, just to be clear, was only symbolic. The death of animals never dealt actually with sin. It never took sin away. It was prefiguring and looking forward to Jesus. It was a symbolic covering of sin, but that's how it worked. So the the high priest would come and they would offer sacrifices on behalf of the people so that they could be made right with God, so their sin could be covered, so there could be this coming together of God and people, and so that God could dwell amongst his people and in the midst of his people. It's incredible, right? What an amazing thing. And so the high priest would do that. It's the first way they would intercede, by making sacrifices and offerings for sin so that God could be with his people. The second way the high priest would intercede for the people is through praying for them. he didn't see through praying. We can read about that in places like um, 2 Chronicles chapter 30, where it says that the priest prayed for the people and heaven heard. The high priest, they would pray and intercede for the people. Now, just think about this for a moment for me with me, this is amazing. This is amazing that the oh in the old testament the people of Israel had an opportunity to access God through a high priest. No other nations did. And it's an amazing thing. I think we sometimes forget that. For those of us who have been Christians and we think we we understand that we can come directly to God through Jesus, we forget the amazing nature of that intercessory role and that high priestly role in the Old Testament. But it was an amazing role. But as amazing as that role was, as amazing as that function was, it was flawed. And the reason it was flawed is because it was based on human beings. And the high priests, they too were, were sinful. And so it was limited. Although it was good, it was limited. It was limited by the high priest's sin. Right? The high priests were humans, they were sinful And so for them to come to God To offer a sacrifice on behalf of the people They would first have to deal with their own sin With God first And so actually you read about that There's stipulations as when you come to my presence God says to the high priest You've got to do this ritual You've got to cleanse yourself You've got to offer a sacrifice for yourself And then you can offer a sacrifice for the people It was limited by their sin It was also limited in scope you see, the high priests who were interceding for the people, they could intercede for the nation as a whole, or they could intercede for individuals within that nation if they knew of their circumstance. But actually, they couldn't do both together, and they didn't know every situation. They didn't know every situation that every individual in the Israelite camp was facing, and so their intercession was limited in its scope. Now, thirdly, it was limited by death, because the high priests died You know, there were 80 different high priests between Aaron and the destruction of the temple in, was it, 60 or 80 AD. There were 80 of them because they died and then they had to go find another one and get them in post. And so although it was a brilliant and great system, it was limited. And can you imagine if you're one of the people of Israel and, and the high priest has just died, can you imagine you're thinking, man, I really hope the next guy is up to the job. I really hope he's up to the job, because he's your way to God. And actually, we read in the Old Testament that when the priests did not do their job, judgment came not only on them, but on the people. You see that in places like 1 Samuel chapter 2, where Hophni and Phineas, the sons of Eli who were priests, it says that they treated the Lord's offering with contempt. And in the next chapter, what happens as a result of that is that the uh, Israelites get defeated by the Philistines, the Philistines steal the ark, and it says, and the glory departed. And you're thinking, man, there's a new high priest. I hope he's not half or Phinehas. I hope he's a good one. <laughs> and so it's limited. Although it's good, it's limited. But then in Psalms like Psalm 110, and in the prophets like Zechariah chapter 6, there are hints, and perhaps more than hints, that God has something better. That a new high priest is coming, one who will be different. And our writer in Hebrews says, That's Jesus. That's Jesus. Jesus is our great high priest. I'm really hoping that's given you enough time to find Hebrews chapter 7. If you've not found it yet, why don't you give up, all right? We'll we'll read it together. So we're in Hebrews chapter 7. I'd like to give you guys time. Don't say we don't give anything to you here at Gate. Right. We're in Hebrews chapter 7. That's given us the background. We're going to pick it up at verse 18. The former regulation, that is the Old Testament law and the priestly institution. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect. And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without any oath, but he, that's Jesus, became a priest with an oath when God said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Now, there are many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to make intercession for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart for sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he doesn't need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once and for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weakness. But the oath which came after the law appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever. Isn't Jesus awesome? Isn't Jesus awesome? We have a great high priest who is infinitely better than the Old Testament high priests. Infinitely better. That was a wonderful institution and facilitated the people of Israel coming to God, but it was limited. We have a high priest, a great high priest, who is infinitely better. His intercession for us is infinitely better because he can perfectly represent us to God being perfectly man and being perfectly God. The salvation that he brings is infinitely better because he offers of himself a perfect sacrifice, not just symbolic animals. Jesus is our infinitely better, our infinitely greatest high priest. And it is through Jesus that we can come to God. You see, where the Old Testament priests were limited by their sin, Jesus... Hold on a second, let me just check, it does say this, pretty sure it does. He's holy, he's blameless, and he's pure. It says he doesn't need to offer sacrifice day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. In the Old Testament, the high priest would have to offer their sacrifice so they could then offer sacrifices for the other people. They'd have to purify themselves and go through rituals. But Jesus is holy now. He is always holy. He can intercede for us immediately in our need. He doesn't need to prepare himself and get himself ready to come into the presence of God so he can intercede with us. For us, he's already there. So as soon as we need an intercession, Jesus, I'm here, I'm interceding. He can already do that immediately. He's not limited by sin because he's perfect. Jesus is not limited in the scope of his intercession. Because unlike the high priest who did not know all things, Jesus is God. He knows all things. He can hear every prayer that happens in the world in every moment, whether it's prayed out loud, whether it's prayed in a different language, whether it's prayed in the tongue, whether it's prayed in your mind. Jesus hears it all. And Jesus can bring intercession for everyone, not just collectively, but individually. Knowing our every individual need and knowing what our need is going to be in the next five minutes, and in the next 10 minutes, and in the next week and month and year, Jesus knows and he can intercede because he is not limited in the scope of his intercession. And finally, we saw that the high priests were limited by dying. Well, we've got some good news, friends. Therefore, Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives. He's eternal. Wouldn't it be awful if Jesus, our high priest, might one day die? Wouldn't that be awful? Can you imagine? You had the best high priest in Jesus who can immediately intercede, who can bring perfect intercession, and then he dies? Can you imagine what that would be like? we don't need to worry about that friends because Jesus lives forever Hallelujah. he is life in and of himself and so we have a high priest who is infinitely greater how does Jesus then intercede for us how does he intercede for you and me well he intercedes in similar ways to the priests of the old testament he inter. oh different slides come up if I missed a point what's the next one this is exciting yeah this is, I, I just wrote it badly that makes no sense right here we go so how does jesus intercede for us firstly he makes us holy he makes us holy in the same way as the the old testament priest would bring a sin offering to to um to to repent and to, to cover the sin of the people of israel jesus make our great high priest makes us holy and not through the sacrifice of sin offerings, but he makes us holy by giving off himself. You see, the gospel says this. We, we saw earlier that the consequence of sin is, is death. Well, Jesus came as a perfect human being. He lived a perfect life as a man, 100% man. And at the end of his life, where he had not sinned, he died a criminal's death on a cross. And because he lived a perfect life, and because he was fully man, he could die in our place truly and like a bull or a lamb he could truly represent us in offering of himself and so Jesus declares us to be holy the Bible says that Satan accuses us to the father Satan accuses us and I imagine it like this in my mind in heaven Satan's like did you just see what Sam did? did you see what he just thought when he walked into church this morning? Did you see that? You, God, need to punish him. The consequence of that sin is death, God. And Jesus, our intercessor, says, no, no, no. That death is paid. That death is done. Jesus intercedes for us, making us holy before the throne. And you know what? That is such a big and important topic that we're going to be considering that next week in, in its entirety, being that Jesus advocates for us before the Father. And Irena is going to do a great job in helping us to explore that and understand that. And as much as I would love to tell you more about that now, I won't or I'll get in trouble. But making us holy is not the only way I believe that Jesus intercedes for us. Although that is the clear and most obvious uh, That is the clear and the most obvious interpretation or understanding of this text in Hebrews 7. It is not unreasonable to assume that Jesus' intercession for us goes beyond just his declaring us holy, but that he also prays for us. You see, we, we read about it in, in uh, Hebrews 7, verse 25, where we read, Therefore he, Jesus, is able to save completely those who come to him, there's the salvation bit, through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Now that word there, intercede, is used elsewhere in the New Testament to speak about, um, to speak about uh, making requests for, on behalf of people. Making requests and asking for things on behalf of others. That's what that word means. Not only that, but here in Hebrews, Jesus is being called the great high priest. And he's being there's an an analogy to the Old Testament high priest who we saw interceded through prayer. So why wouldn't Jesus? Not only that, but Jesus during his time on earth, he prayed for his followers. He prayed for believers. And we can read about those prayers through the Gospels. And finally, why wouldn't Jesus? It's part of his nature, right? To love us and to stand with us as part of who Jesus is. And so Jesus' intercession for us is making us holy, but Jesus' intercession for us is also prayer. Isn't it amazing that Jesus is praying for you? Isn't that amazing? Just stop and think about that with me for a second. This great high priest, the one who we said was limitless in his scope of intercession, the one who is not limited by death or sin, He is interceding for you and for me. It's amazing, right? It's incredible. And Jesus is able to pray for us perfectly. Jesus is able to pray and represent us perfectly before the Father. How well, as we mentioned before, Jesus is perfectly man. Jesus is perfectly man. We read about that in 1 Timothy chapter 2. We, we see that Jesus is perfectly man, and so therefore Jesus can perfectly represent us to God. Not only that, but Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that because Jesus is holy man and lived a normal life like you and me, and let's be honest, he lived a rough life. He knew what it was like to lose loved ones to death. He knew what it was like to face sickness. He knew what it was like to be homeless. He knew what it was like to have people spit on him. He knew what it was like to have his friends turn and abandon him. He knows what it's like. And earlier in Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 4, the writer of the Hebrews says, We don't have a high priest who's able to sympathize with us. He knows. He's lived it firsthand. And so Jesus has first-hand experience of our lives and with that first-hand experience can come to the Father and intercede on our behalf as a perfect man. But not only that, he is not only perfectly man in the mystery of the divine trinity, he is also perfectly God. Perfectly God. The Old Testament high priests, they were perfectly men. They understood what the human life was like. But they couldn't truly bridge the gap because they weren't perfectly God. Jesus is perfectly man and he's perfectly God. Which means his prayers are always perfect. His prayers are always in line with the Father's will. Jesus always prays in line with the Father's will. Isn't that brilliant? I just want to say, and because I think this is important, I just want to mention the Father's will isn't always our will. <laughs> To say that Jesus always prays in line with the Father's will does not necessarily mean that we will always get what we expect or want. We see in places like the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus prays, God, I want one thing, but Father, your will be done. And I believe Jesus prays that for us. But here's the good news, friends. God the Father's will for us is perfect. God the Father's will for us is always for his glory and for our ultimate good. And sometimes we don't understand that. Sometimes we don't see that in the here and the now. But we've got to hold on to the truth, knowing that outside of our experience, outside of the limits of our knowledge, God knows more. And what God ordains is ultimately for his glory and for our good. We hold on to that. So this amazing Jesus, our perfect high priest, is interceding for you and for me before the throne of heaven perfectly. Amazing. What does Jesus pray about? What does Jesus pray for you when he's up there in heaven? What's he praying for you? I think we can get some clues from what Jesus prayed for his disciples and his followers on earth. on earth, in John chapter 17, we read that, yeah, that is that one, Guess good. John chapter 17 and verse 15, it says that Jesus prays for our protection. That's what Jesus, he does. In John 17, verse 15, he prays for our protection from the enemy. Some of you, you need to hear this today and be encouraged. Some of you are feeling beaten up. Some of you are feeling under attack. Some of you are feeling like the enemy is taking ground in your life. Some of you are struggling. I want you to know this morning that Jesus is your great high priest. And right now he is in heaven praying for your protection from the evil one. He's standing with you praying for your protection. Isn't that good news? Not only that, we read elsewhere in the Gospels, in Luke's Gospel, we read that Jesus prays for our perseverance. Again, for some of you, you might feel like you've hit a brick wall with your faith. You feel like, honestly, you feel like throwing in the towel. You feel like, man, I don't know if I can trust God anymore. I don't know if I believe in this stuff anymore. Sometimes it feels blasphemous to say that at church, doesn't it? But let's be honest, we do. There have been times in my life when I go, am I actually a Christian? (laughs) Do I actually want to follow Jesus? And it's okay to feel those things and to wrestle with those things, but what I want you to know this morning, if that's you today, Jesus is in heaven praying to the Father for your perseverance. He's praying. For your perseverance. In the passage in Luke, Jesus is speaking to Peter and he says, Satan has asked that you would fall and that you would be removed. But I have prayed that you would be strengthened. Jesus is praying that for you. If you're wrestling this morning with doubts and questions, know that Jesus, your great high priest, is interceding for you in heaven. That's good news, right? And the third thing, there's loads of things, but I thought we'd do for three because it's a preach, and that's what you're supposed to do in preach, isn't it? Three, I think that's why it works. The third thing, the third thing that Jesus prays for that we see in the in the, in the gospels is he prays for the success of our mission. Again, I, I'm, I'm thrilled what I thought. I hadn't actually thought about this until I did this study for this morning's message. Jesus prays for the success of our mission. That means. That God wants, Jesus is praying that we would see people saved and added to Citygate Church. That's good, right? That Jesus is praying for the success of what we are about, to see his kingdom come and to see people come to know Jesus. And so I want us to be encouraged this morning. I want us to be encouraged that we have a great high priest, Jesus, who lives forever to intercede perfectly. For us. And where are we going to land this this morning? Do you know what? As I thought about this, I thought, I don't want to bring an application of like, do this, do that, do this, do that. I don't want that as an application this morning. What I want today's application to be is this. Firstly, be encouraged. Let's be encouraged. What a good application, right? Be encouraged. (laughs) Let's be encouraged that we have a great high priest. And secondly, let's worship and celebrate and sing to our high priest if the band could could come up we're going to sing in in just a moment but I also want to give a moment for people to be able to respond firstly maybe you are here and you didn't know that you were separated from God by sin maybe you were here this morning and you thought that you could come to God by doing enough good things surely God would understand surely God would understand that if I do enough good things he knows I've done more good than bad he knows I've tried to be a good person maybe that was you you need to know this morning that God desperately wants to be in relationship with you, but that's not how it works. But we can only come to him through Jesus. It actually said that in our passage. He is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Through him. And if that's you this morning and you want to come to God, you can come to God through Jesus. And to do that, you need to turn from your old way and turn from sin and repent and say, I don't want to live like that anymore. Jesus, I want to chase after you and I want to follow you. And if that's you this morning, we want to pray for you. And I hadn't planned on doing this, but I feel stirred to do it. Is there anyone here now who says, man, that's me. I want to say, I want to follow Jesus. If that is you, I'm going to invite you just to be super brave and Stick up your hand. Everyone's looking this way, so no one will see. Just me. That is you. God delights in drawing people to himself. Do you know, I feel really stirred that there are people here who are wrestling with this. If that is you, and you, you don't feel in a place to commit and to raise your hand as to sign up in that way. I'd love to chat with you. Russ would love to chat with you. People here, Caris, anyone here at Citygate, we'd love to talk to you more about that and explain more about what that means. Come and find us. We'll be here at the front. Come and grab us. The other way I want us to respond this morning, though, is this for those of you who are wrestling, for those of you who are struggling, for those of you who are finding life rough right now maybe you've been encouraged that Jesus your great high priest is praying and interceding for you in the throne room of heaven today and I hope you have but the Bible also says that whilst Jesus is our great high priest that we are the priesthood of all believers and that we can stand with one another and intercede and pray as well and if you're fighting and you're wrestling and you're doubting and you're struggling we want to stand with you this morning and pray So if that is you, I'm going to invite you as we sing this song. Why don't you come up? There's a big banner over there that says prayer. If you want someone to stand with you and pray with you, would you come over to this side? Prayer team will come over to this side as well, and we'll pray with you and stand with you. And then it will be you praying, it will be us praying, it will be Jesus praying, and you can be encouraged and built up. Friends, don't we have an awesome God? don't we have a great high priest isn't it incredible that jesus is interceding for us why don't we stand why don't we sing why don't we celebrate if you want prayer come over here and uh, and let's worship our awesome god